Welcome to the Future of Medicine podcast, where we believe that feeling great and living a long time is possible and that your healthcare should help you get there. I'm your host, Dr. Aaron Wenzel. My hope is simple, that this show will help you along your journey to becoming the healthiest, strongest, and most powerful version of you possible. Now, let's jump into the show. Hey, everybody. Before we jump in this week's show, I just want to give a quick little intro. Uh, I really enjoyed sitting down with Dr. Dykstra. He's a friend of mine uh, and talking about a topic that is rarely talked about between a traditionally trained medical provider and a uh, doctor of chiropractic. I feel like it was a really candid, raw, um, but very valuable and practical um, overview of chiropractic care, its benefits. Um, we talk about the origin story. We talk about kind of some areas where if we could go back in a time machine, we could make chiropractic uh, totally uh, different uh, and more impactful uh, so that more than just 10% of the population take advantage of its uh, benefits. We also talk about um, the most important things that you need to be looking at when selecting a chiropractor. Um, anyhow, let's jump into the show. Hope you enjoy it. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's show. Uh, I am really excited to introduce a dear friend of mine, uh, Dr. Ronson Dykstra. Dr. Dykstra grew up in Grand Rapids, Michigan. He studied uh, undergraduate studies at Michigan State and pursued chiropractic uh, education at Palmer College of Chiropractic. He's been practicing for 16 years uh, in the Franklin, Tennessee area, and he's got a deep passion for prevention and practicing within what he will describe to us as a family healthcare model. He's an avid triathlete and Ironman. He's married with a couple of children, and we are super excited to have him on the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here, Dr. Aaron. He's awesome. Yeah, man. It's really great. Why don't you... Um, why don't we start with your origin story? Yeah. Why don't you tell us kind of how it all began? I, I haven't met any chiropractors who, at some point in their life, didn't have some thing that happened that kind of pointed them in that direction. Mm -hmm. There's usually some deep conviction, some neat story behind why chiropractic mm -hmm. and just kind of take us through that journey. Yeah, it's kind of funny because I'm not like a typical chiropractor. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I didn't have the typical traditional story of like the origin story of like, oh, I had XYZ symptom or complaint. And so I went and sought a chiropractor and he made me all better. And that's why I pursued this path. Instead, my path was something completely different. I, I initially, after graduating high school, I decided that I thought I wanted to be in the military. So I had an, I had an actual nomination in the Naval Academy. And oh, wow. so I went to the academy, and when I got there, I was like, this isn't really for me. I don't really want to be an engineer. I mm -hmm. want to pursue something else. And I came home. Um, before ever signing my oath, I never, like, really got into it because I didn't really enjoy I didn't really think that was the path for me. So I came back home, and I was in this searching mode of what do I want to – you know, like every kid's thing. What do I want to do when I grow mm -hmm. up? And my dad was actually having some back-related issues. And um, he went and saw a chiropractor. Uh, near our house out in, uh, in where I grew up in Grand Rapids there. And this guy was in Vietnam with my dad. So my dad and this guy were in Vietnam together. He was in the first cab and my dad was big red one. But as a result, <laughs> I went out and I watched Dr. McAlpine start to work on my dad. And I watched my dad start to have freedom from these old injuries that he'd been battling for years and years mm -hmm. and years. And I, I thought it was the, the neatest thing ever. How old were you here? Um, at this point, I was... 18 years old. Okay. So I was a freshman in college, basically. Mm -hmm. And that was my first true experience with it. Interesting. So as a kid, I grew up in the <clears throat> traditional model of healthcare. I never really understood what chiropractic was. I didn't know anything about it. Had just mm -hmm. a complete no growing up experience, so to say. I, you know, my parents didn't bring me as a baby or as a kid. Um, and so then I went and watched Dr. McAlpine and I watched him start to work on my dad. And I was like, this is it was pretty awesome stuff. So I started having some conversations with him and, and asking him more in-depth questions about like, how does this work? Like, right. what is this all about? And he started to expand on the philosophy of what chiropractic is. And he brought me to the actual origin story of how chiropractic started. And, and that kind of ignited me a little bit. And it hmm. kind of got that fire rolling inside of me where I said, you know what? I feel like I'm being drawn towards a, a passion is serving people mm -hmm. and being able to help people. And I tried to connect the dots. And I was like, this is way better than, you know, being an engineer or uh, being a history major or something else. Well, like, it resonated with you for sure. For sure it did. And um, and so that origin story of how chiropractic all got started and that kind of like 
it really fired me up a little bit. And so Dr. McAlpine said, well, hey, if you're going to take this seriously, you need to look at this one college and only look at this one college because that's where it all started. That's the beginning. That's where the whole entire profession began its entire trajectory of where it is today. And that's Palmer College in Davenport, Iowa. And so that's where I went off to. So I knew that, but only because I have a couple of my closest friends have been chiropractors. Why don't, for those that don't know, and I would assume most people don't know, talk to us about Palmer. Yeah. Um, the college, how, how <laughs> chiropractic became kind of a thing. Yeah. Because I think it's a really, it's 10 out of 10 interesting, but yes. I think it's really relevant and a critical piece of history that most people aren't aware of mm -hmm. that uh, will help frame this out. Yeah, and hundred percent. I remember if I if I asked a hundred people, how was chiropractic founded? I would say ninety nine percent of people would say, "Oh, somebody had a neck pain, somebody had a headache, somebody had low back." That's what we've been labeled as. Mm -hmm. If currently it being musculoskeletal, back, neck, that kind of a headache type of a doctor. Mm -hmm. that, that's kind of our label that we've got created. But how it all started was back. It, it actually the very first chiropractic adjustment was done September eighteenth of eighteen ninety five. And it was in Davenport, Iowa, in what was called the Ryan Building. And Dr. Uh, Daniel David Palmer um, was a magnetic healer. Again, another, out, you know, kind of an outskirts kind of a profession. He was doing some magnetic healing, I believe, in the Ryan Building. And this janitor who was cleaning the building, his name was Harvey Lillard, he came up to Dr. Palmer, and he'd been deaf for 17 years. And, and, and Harvey had expressed, like, you know, one day I was cleaning 17 years ago. I bent over. I felt something pop. I don't know what it was, but anyway, my hearing went away. And he's like, so what have you been done? He's like, nothing. I'm just deaf. So this janitor had been deaf for 17 years. Dr. Palmer lays him on a table. It's almost one of those stories where you're like, come on, mm -hmm. this isn't real. Yeah. He lays him on a table. He feels his spine and he called him lever arms and instead of like a spinous process or the butt backbones. Got he's it. like, he felt a lever or he felt something that was off. And so he adjusted that one area of Harvey's spine, which was in his middle back and his hearing was restored. So the entire profession was founded, what D.D. Palmer says, on tone. And it all came after doing one adjustment. And this guy who had been deaf for 17 years was able to, uh, was able to hear again. What year was that? 1895. And am I mistaken? Was Dr. Palmer a traditionally trained physician at that time? I believe so. But I'm not even sure exactly his entire, which is kind of bizarre that I don't know that. Yeah. I think he was a military physician. <laughs> That, I, I I could be mistaken, but for some in in my data bank, yeah, <laughs> uh, that little piece of trivia got inserted. But anyhow, at the eighteen ninety five, so it yeah. starts in Iowa. Um, how does it go from adjusting one back to a college that trains? How does it? How does how is the art created? Yeah. So that was created actually from uh, Dee's son BJ. So his name is okay. Bartlett Joshua, and BJ is actually termed as the developer of chiropractic. Got it. So, so it's the son of... The, yeah, the guy that invented it was DD. He kind of was the inventor, the creator. But his son was the one that took it to what it is today. If it wasn't for BJ, it would never have become the profession that it is today. Okay. He's the one that developed the entire chiropractic profession. So in the early 1900s, then? Mm -hmm. That's, that's when yep, that... Yep. He bought a radio channel, a TV channel, and so he started just getting it to the masses. He was teaching. He was talking about it. They, like, literally, it was just everywhere. I assume he was in practice mm -hmm. doing this, mm -hmm. and there wasn't any formal education to begin with, and people were traveling to see him, I guess. Yeah, and that's actually where some of the controversies came in, and that's honestly mm. where a lot of the, the rift between, you know, medical and chiropractic started, was that chiropractors were physicians practicing without a license, because mm. at the time, in the early 1900s, the only profession that was recognized as mm -hmm. a, a profession was the American Medical Association, the, the Medical Association. And so they saw an outsider come in. And, of course. And, and, you know, there was no accreditation. There was yeah. no like, hey, you have to have these courses and this is what you have to do. Instead, you have a bunch of guys that were learning and developing and I wouldn't say going rogue. They were, they were practicing. They were practicing. <laughs> yeah. So then when does, it, when does it become, all right, we need to systematize this. We need to put some curriculum together. We need to begin the journey of legitimizing mm -hmm. our practice as an art. Um, what, what time frame and kind of what are the milestones on that? I think that started between like the 19, 
1910 all the way up to like 1927. That's where a lot of the a lot of the early developers of the profession and the, a lot of the textbooks that were created, you know, coming from Stevenson from 1927, who created the first chiropractic textbook. Mm. Like a lot of the the systems were being developed, a lot of the theories were being conceptualized, and people were beginning to see the benefits. They were beginning to experience the benefits, and the treatments were, you know, people were being adjusted. And as mm-hmm. a result, it began to spread. It's like in anything when the result occurs, sure. no, the results speak for themselves. And all of a sudden, people are like, oh, I want more of this. And so. so did did the university start prior to being recognized as a healthcare field or was establishing the university and the curriculum part of the process of becoming recognized? I think it was before. I think that the I think the profession kind of took off before it like really became recognized. Mm-hmm. And then it just evolved and developed and became So in the first iteration mm-hmm. of Palmer College, it was just a place to come and learn this art yep. that was it called chiropractic at this time? Yep. Um, and then as more and more of those folks began to spread chiropractic, then uh, the next version of that would be, hey, medical authorities, we need to be recognized as a real thing. Mm-hmm. When did that happen? I don't know. You're not sure. Yeah. But yeah, no, I know that there was definitely because there was a lot of guys in the early days that were jailed again as a Gosh. result of practicing without a license because they were not. Well, it's recognized. pretty scary to look at. If you, it, 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 yeah. it, you know, <laughs> depending on here, the give adjustment. me your neck. Yeah, you know? depending on the adjustment that you were having performed and, and everything. That was pretty scary. It's a little bit different. And then, so how many schools are there now? I think there's between sixteen to eighteen. You know, there's been a couple that have come in and a couple that have gone, but I think mm-hmm. the core there's sixteen different colleges that are around the United States. Yeah. And in, I think Australia has one. And oh, really? One, yeah. So is chiropractic internationally recognized or is it just America? It is internationally recognized, but it's definitely more widely accepted in America. And where does osteopathic medicine come in with all this? Yeah, osteopathic. When did Styles? Is it Styles? I think. I think that's the Styles is the the D, the guy, the gentleman, the doctor, the medical mm-hmm. doctor that kind created, of, kind of innovated. I think it was like the nineteen tens, nineteen elevens, or something like that. Is when split he started off. Right, yeah. and and I think that um, how that kind of all plays into play because I know there's always been this like. Uh, tension, we'll mm-hmm. call it a tension mm-hmm. between chiropractic and a DC versus a DO. Mm-hmm. And the big difference is, is like um, the difference between a manipulation and an adjustment. And mm-hmm. I know that I've had professors over the years try to extrapolate and explain that to me. What is the difference? Um, so I um, kind of lump those two together. Yeah, most, most people do. Um, and the way that I think about it in uh, this one doctor, she used to always have this, uh, she had this old BMW and she said, you know, I take, and she was Australian. She's like, you know, when I take my BMW to the dealer, I don't tell him manipulate my carburetor. I say adjust my carburetor. He's like, the difference is the subtle nuances of change versus gross manual maneuvers. And a lot Mm -hmm. of manipulations in general are big gross maneuvers versus being very specific Mm -hmm. to a specific area, a specific region, a specific joint, a specific, uh, you know, an intent. And so I think that's half the power is like, what is your intent with the adjustment? Well, manipulation kind of has a negative connotation. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, you, depending on how it's being used, whereas yep. an adjustment doesn't automatically roll off the tongue and feel negative. Right. So the adjustment definitely is a, a word that feels better right. uh, when you say it. Um, what, what about – so we're, we're in the, the 1920s and yeah. beyond. Chiropractic is kind of on its feet trying to establish itself. As you look back, mm-hmm. are, where were some missed opportunities, do you think, for chiropractic to become, let's, let's call it more mainstream, um, either more mainstream at a grander scale or more mainstream faster? Because mm-hmm. it feels like here we are almost 2020. Yeah. And you would know the data better than I, but I think around 10% of the population – sees chiropractic um, Mm -hmm. on a regular basis. That's not great. Mm -hmm. Um, Where, where is the disconnect? I guess is maybe that's the first question. Where where is the disconnection between the marketplace, their understanding of the benefits of chiropractic and, and where we are. I think that that's like the million dollar question, honestly. Mm. And, And the reason why I say that is because in chiropractic, there's, there's so many different ways of doing it. 
And as a result, everybody has an opinion and everybody has a different method. And there's over 300 different techniques and there's oh, wow. different things that are out there that you can adapt to, right? We've got, we don't even have one unified organization. We have the ACA, the American Chiropractic Association, and we have the ICA, the International Chiropractic. Oh, wow. So we even I have know that. a dual system. So you, you gravitate towards one versus the other. And I think mm-hmm. that whenever you have a, a profession and, and you say missed opportunity, I think that one of the big things is, is that we just, no two chiropractors see the same thing the same way. Mm-hmm. If you take medicine or you take medical, you know, doctors in general, they're going through a set program, right? It's mm-hmm. like, here's your More standards. Yes. It's mm-hmm. a standard. And, you know, you mm-hmm. and I even, you know, we're talking a little bit today about, you know, having systems and everything mm-hmm. else. It's like, yes. In, in chiropractic, they're really, I don't want to say there's no standards, but there's no, like there's different mm-hmm. standards or different things that you can do. There's different there's more variations. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as a result of that variation, I think that that's where a lot of the, you know, like the consistency and mm-hmm. why there's, you know, no two people get the same results. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not a standardized thing. You know, as we're talking, this is kind of interesting to me because I've spent a, a weird amount of time thinking about chiropractic mm-hmm. uh, as a non-chiropractor. I, for those that know me a lot, I, I was accepted into chiropractic school um, in Dallas um, and was going to go with my two best friends and we were going to have a chiropractic empire. Yeah. Um, and I, I pivoted not last minute, but n- maybe next to the last minute and, and decided that I wanted to do more traditional medicine. But so I've spent a lot of time thinking about chiropractic, both from a, do I want to do it? What is it? How would it work for me? But after choosing, uh, to, to go the more traditional medical route, it's never left my thoughts, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it's been a, it's been an ongoing internal dialogue, uh, that I rarely get to speak out about. Um, but I think about the following, I think, Hmm. I wonder, I wonder where Cairo could have made some changes, mm-hmm. you know, I wonder if this is, I wonder why so few people go to chiropractic. And then I think about when we talk about the origin story, you know, in its roots, it was this very raw cowboy kind of, we're going to figure this out as we go. And it birthed, its, its birth, its origin is very, kind of rogue Mm -hmm. and it creates a lot of fragmentation and where people go many different directions and it's hard to herd them all together to get a unified voice, a unified front. And it has been my experience that as with any healthcare professional, just because you have the same credentials doesn't make you equivocal. Mm -hmm. You know, not all chiropractors are created the same just like all surgeons aren't created the same. Absolutely. You, when you combine the fact that there's variation between just human beings and that the origin of this specialty is very like, well, you just go do your thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it creates wild swings in um, results. And whenever there's radical, unpredictable results, consumers tend to back away. Because then they get scared. I always say scare, scared dollars don't go get spent. They don't spend. They they stay in people's pockets because it's not. I'm unsure what I'm getting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I see several really really successful chiropractors who are doing incredible work, getting incredible impact, and their their following is like evangelical almost. Mm-hmm. I mean, the it, it it's it's pretty amazing to see. And then you see just for every one that's doing that on a high level. So I know, I know it's possible and they're clearly getting great results and people love them. I see a dozen or more really struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just been fascinating to me about, about that. Do, do you think that there's anything that besides having a unified voice or is that the punchline, you know, maybe having more of a unified voice early on to really spearhead the main doctrine do you think that would have changed things or do you feel like 
I feel like no matter what, I think that there's always going to be differences of opinion. And I feel mm-hmm. like there's always going to be people that are going to want to, you know, as, as anything evolves and develops, mm-hmm. you're going to grow. And I feel that that's some of the, the health. And it's of a our newer profession. art. Correct. It's growth. It's still very young. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of the things we do in medicine, <laughs> you know, in, in historically have been done for 250 years. Right. We, you know, we understood that, uh, how to treat gout. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they, they've been doing these things for a long, long time. Whereas we're at best, we're coming up on a hundred years ish mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. chiropractic. If you were to d- distill down all of the different theses, all the different beliefs and convictions amongst chiropractors, do you feel there is a kind of a holy grail? Like what? Like we might vary on this or that, or and enough to be different in the way that we practice, but we all believe, like, is there a unified, like basic belief system that Mm -hmm. all chiropractors share? Most of them, depending on the school of choice. So depending on the school that you go to, there is a a background philosophy. And that's why they say chiropractic was founded on the philosophy, science, and art of chiropractic. And it starts with the philosophy. And the philosophy is that the body is a self-healing and regulating Mm. organism. And so one of the biggest things... So this is the origin of the doctrine of chiropractic. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And so like the philosophy being that, you know, you were created to heal. Your body was created to be a self-healing organism. And as a result, your body is able to do all things without interference. And interference can come in the form of traumas, you know, physical components. It can come in the form of toxins, the old saying of garbage in equals garbage out. Mm-hmm. And it can also come in the form of thoughts or auto-suggestion. And so stinking thinking is what we call it, right? Mm-hmm. So like if, if every day is the worst day of your life, it can create disruptions within your brain-body connection. And so for most chiropractors, your your core philosophy belief system is the fact that if you have a subluxation, which is the word that chiropractic is really stuck to and cleave to, which is you know, at its root, sub means below, lux means light, and ation is the act of. So less light. Your body's emitting less light. You're not mm. able to fully be you because there's a disconnect between the brain and your body. You can think of it like a fuse panel. You've got a fuse that's popped. Your body still operates, but it's not operating at a function that's at 100%. And as a result, just slowly and with time, things will begin to go haywire, you'll start to have things maybe go, uh, you know, in an abnormal direction. And so the philosophy of if I can remove an interference, if I can remove a subluxation, if I can correct a shifting that's occurring in the spine, I will ultimately relieve pressure within that nervous system, within that autonomic nervous system, the pressure that's built up inside the body. And by reducing or removing the pressure surrounding that, removing subluxations, vertebral subluxations, by correcting those, you're able to allow the body to operate and function at a higher level than what it was when you came in. Even if it's 1% or 100%, your body's ability to heal is what chiropractic was really founded upon, is creating what BJ called the healing that comes from above, down, inside out. And when you do it the opposite direction, when you try to heal from the outside in, you're literally going from below up saying, check out what I can do. So above, down, inside out. Down the spinal cord? Is that so depending on philosophies, you could okay. say I believe in I believe in God, I believe in Jesus. And so we can say that all healing comes from above down Got into me and then out of me. And so healing occurs. So some from people above choose to, to weave the spiritual integration mm-hmm. into that yeah. doctrine. Yep. And then the people who don't, then it's still brain, brain. communicates to the body. So in its most basic raw form, and this is where, you know, some people will be like, well, I don't know if I agree with this. You know, the brain has your brain, your central nervous system, brain, spinal cord, nerves make up the CNS and the central nervous system controls and coordinates every function in your body. So for your eyes to blink, your heart to beat, your lungs to breathe, mm-hmm. for you to go to the bathroom, your food to digest for every function inside the human body to occur, the brain has to tell it who, what, when, where, and how. So the brain is your master control, kind of like the a big computer box sitting underneath the desk. You got that fancy peripheral monitor. You got the keyboard. You got all this cool stuff, but the box that's underneath the desk that you keep rolling your chair into is the main controller of everything. And mm-hmm. so when the brain is communicating and connected to the body at 100%, meaning full flow of life through the nerve system, yes, the organs that it's connected to are able to work. They're able to function. So in a, in a basic sense, if the brain is sending a signal to the heart saying beat, the heart beats. It's a closed loop system. So as the heart Mm -hmm. responds back, it says, okay. And so you have this closed loop response occurring inside the human body. And when you flip a break or you have a fuse that pops or blows or whatever it might be, you start to have this disconnect and your body starts to adapt. And that's one of the coolest things with the human body is that you are 
you're able to adapt. Your body is able Mm -hmm. to adapt to stressors. The more adaptation and the more your body has the ability to adapt, the healthier you are. That's why one person can be sick and one person can be well because of your body's ability to adapt. And so when it comes to keeping that clear channel Mm -hmm. interference free, that's really kind of the baseline of what chiropractic is about optimal function Mm -hmm. versus pain mediation because of all the nervous system it's a very small percentage, like 6 to 10% of your nerves that actually can feel pain, sensory for pain fibers, mm-hmm. which means 90% of your nervous system up to 94% is about function of the body. And so chiropractors focus on function of human anatomy and human body. Through alignment. Correct. Basically. So the, the, the premise is, is that the body is created to be a self-healing mechanism, which mm-hmm. I love. Mm-hmm. And I, I took some notes because I, I love this up, down, inside, out mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that's a, I need to spend some time just processing (laughs) that because that's, that's really meaty. I feel like I could go a lot of directions with that. I won't in this particular episode, but so then chiropractic with this basic thesis around being a self-healing mechanism, believe that by understanding proper alignment, uh, this is a question, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, that by, if I can structurally, keep the the skeletal system aligned as good as possible i am giving the body the best opportunity to be this self-healing organism is that is that right that's part of it yeah yeah the other part is the 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 ability of movement right so like the way that csf cerebral spinal fluid pump it's a pump Uh right you've got this mechanical pump so it's not only about keeping in proper alignment but it's proper motion of the spinal segments you've got 24 bones are all designed to move and function and hold us not only they're designed for two functions right for protection to Mm -hmm. protect us from our outside world to protect the spinal cord but they're also designed for structure and support so we can stand upright sure so the spinal alignment is a crucial thing but it's also a very big deal to have mobility and motion within there. That old saying, movement is life. Lack of movement becomes stagnant. And so if somebody doesn't move, right, they could have perfect alignment but never move. And they sit on a couch all day long. And, and so the, have- the, the, the physical movement of the bones mm-hmm. is serving a dual purpose is what you're saying? Yeah. There's the for- alignment and then there's the f- actually moving of them that mm-hmm. stimulates – Yes. The healing? Yeah. So to give okay. you, so like back in <clears throat> chiropractic's earliest days, I remember um, one of the philosophers actually saying, um, you know, you could adjust somebody's atlas, somebody's C1 bone, and it would have a direct effect on the entire spine because the brain stem and the, the medulla and everything sits right up top there. And by stimulating, so there's an entire technique in our profession that's all, the only bone you ever adjust is the number one bone. And by adjusting that number one bone, you impact the rest of the entire Mm. spinal function Mm. because it'd be like kinking the garden hose at the very top of the spine. Mm -hmm. If you were to kink a hose at the top, at the origin, Mm -hmm. wherever it connects to the rest of the body is going to be impacted. So, you know, you could adjust somebody's atlas and all of a sudden their digestive system would improve their bowels. They wouldn't have diarrhea or constipation anymore. You could do the exact opposite. You could adjust the lower part of the spine or the upper part of the spine. Sometimes it's more the stimulation of the nervous system Mm -hmm. that you'll get the effect from. So it Hmm. doesn't necessarily have to be the, you know, it's all being very specific, the right place at the right time for that patient that's laying there or the patient that's in front of you. And every, Mm -hmm. no two patients are the same, which means Mm -hmm. a reaction that can occur in a child will be different than a reaction that would incur in a 75 year old man. Yeah. I mean, how far, and I talk a lot about the spectrum of disease, you know, we, we teach, we, as in, I'm pointing to myself, the, the traditional medical model. And I harp on this all the time. We teach disease as if you have it or you don't. Right. Which is garbage. Mm-hmm. All diseases ex- exist on a spectrum. Correct. You know, you're either pursuing optimal or, or you're pursuing disease. Mm-hmm. You're always mapping one way or the other. And at some threshold of moving towards disease, you get called pre or borderline. And then you, it, if it doesn't correct, you end up in disease and then you end up end stage disease, but this is all a continuum. Yes. Nobody wakes up one day no. with a heart attack. Nope. Like that plaque has been building in there for a long time. Um, so I would imagine a lot of these principles apply too, and would 
potentially explain the varying results that some people might get is where along the spectrum are you in responsiveness to these um, adjustments mm-hmm. and the movement mm-hmm. of the spinal uh, column and the uh, alignment. You know, some people will be hyper responsive and they're going to get incredible results. And they might yes. be, they're probably the people, I'm extrapolating here yeah. and I don't know, <clears throat> but they might also be the person who, from one night of bad sleep with what would be considered for many people trivial malalignment might trigger terrible migraines. And so they might be super sensitive to that. Is that what you see in mm-hmm. practice? Yeah. Yeah. The, the amount of stress that you have on the body, right? Different. Every, every single person <clears throat> is at different levels of stress, right? You could have, you know, this is where you hear about the, um, you hear about miracle stories, right? You hear yeah. about people that have unbelievable effects and it's not chiropractic or the chiropractor it's where the person is Mm. you can have one person that can react and respond very quickly oh this is the best thing i've ever done chiropractic saved my life this is why it saved my life this is what happened and you have somebody else say yeah i won a bunch of times and never did anything for me yeah and a lot of it isn't due to the technique it's not due to the doctor it's due to the person right your lifestyle and the things that you've created in your body because you're right you're either doing one of two things you're either moving towards an optimization of health yes or you're moving towards the lack of health which is disease correct death other bad things right you're kind of on this 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 continuum of like where am i Mm -hmm. and the further you go it's like so, so like this is a an analogy that sometimes i'll tell patients just to kind of help them understand this a little bit so you're driving around in your car and the check engine light pops on Right, and it's a it's a check engine oil light. You've got one of three choices. Step number one, though, did the light just pop on, and that's just when the problem started, or had it been building and building and building until the oil got to a level? Let's say that it was it, it set the sensor off, right? Mm-hmm. So you don't have a symptom. Most symptoms when a patient gets them, most of them, they build for symptoms are late findings. Correct. They yes. build for days, week, months, years. Right? You talked about heart disease, placking of the arteries. One day you wake up and you have a heart attack. That wasn't just. I developed heart disease yesterday. I didn't today. I do. Yeah. I I just, yesterday I have heart disease today. It's like, no, that took years and years and years to potentially develop in somebody. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing with the analogy of like a check engine light. The light pops on. You say, okay, I've got three choices. I'm going to, I'm going to a open up my owner's manual that I have in the glove box, open it and says, oh, your oil's low. So you add oil away you go. Option B is you open up the owner's manual. You see that it says add oil and you say, it's a good suggestion. I'll get to it when I have time. Mm -hmm. Or option C is you take a piece of tape and you cover up the, the little I'm tired of looking at that. Light. I'm tired of looking at the light. I don't know what it means. It's on. I'll just cover it up. And what ends up happening is that most people, and I think this is one of the big problems that we've created in our current healthcare model mm-hmm. is that we've been trained to wait until something is wrong. I think that this is the biggest demise of all health in our country right mm-hmm. now is the fact that we have been trained and taught, you know, yeah, Different people have different beliefs, right? Like we believe you have to eat right and exercise. But a lot of times our current model is like, hey, just wait till it's broken. Yeah. When it's broken, you have a symptom, we'll fix you. And the mm-hmm. problem with that is the mentality that surrounds that is that, oh, so I must be healthy. All of a sudden, heart disease. And then you become labeled. And most people I talk to, they have those, they wear their labels and their medications and everything mm-hmm. they're taking as badges of honor, right? It's like, oh my gosh, yeah, you know, I got diabetes and I've got this. And oh, you're on that medication. Oh, I'm taking that one too. That's awesome. And they start to cleave around these things versus mm-hmm. saying, dude, your reason why you're battling mm-hmm. this stuff is because you have spent years of your life not really taking care of yourself. Your body's finally hit that tipping point where a fuse has popped. Your body's finally become so stressed internally. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just talking like stress, like, oh my gosh, it's a holiday season. We're talking stress because of eating garbage or not exercising or not moving your body mm-hmm. and just physically not taking care of yourself. It gets to a point where it says, hey, I got to figure something out. I don't know what it is. It is um, certainly not all diseases, but but several of uh the most common diseases, medication, as good as they are at treating the problem, they don't fix the problem. And the net result is people don't have to change behavior. That's right. That's a, that's all point. I can keep doing what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Now I just have to take these four pills. Mm-hmm. And now my numbers, my diseases haven't gone away. They're just managed. managed. You know, I've been working in the ER for over 10 years. And one of the ironic like things that I come across is, well, tell me about your medical history. No, I'm fine. You don't have any medical history? No. 
you're on seven medicines, mm-hmm. like and two for blood pressure and one for cholesterol and thyroid and depression. Oh yeah, but my blood pressure is fine, my diabetes is fine, and my mood has never been better. Oh, mm-hmm. the the idea that if I can just medicate something and the symptoms go away, I'm better. Mm-hmm. And again, this is not. This is where. Um, many of the chiropractic beliefs and my personal convictions are right in line. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually don't have health care in this country. We don't. We have sick care. Correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I did not even set you up for that. No, no. That's, that is it's, amazing. It's what we have. We have a sick care system, a health care system. Every clinic, hospital, protocol, standard of care is all driven on managing disease mm-hmm. We talk about prevention. We talk about preventative care. We talk about – but there are no economics built around prevention. The economics are built around disease management. Mm -hmm. We are – actually, we're incredibly good at managing disease, which I would believe is our vulnerability. It is the vulnerability of our – what we're calling healthcare is that we're – we have become far too efficient at disease management – to the point where in, in, entire hospital systems now are dependent on you getting your disease managed at our facility. Mm-hmm. And pharmaceutical companies are not interested in diseases going away. They're interested in you not dying but staying sick. Mm-hmm. That's a great model where you become dependent on these medications for your life and livelihood, but yet you don't ever get better. Mm. And it's just a fundamentally broken thing. And one of the reasons I practice the way I do is because I genuinely believe in health care. Now, if – and listen, I've had plenty of patients, especially as they come in the door, I start hunting. I always tell people I'm a hunter. I'm hunting for disease or any evidence that you might be mapping early disease because anticipation and speed is the game. Sometimes I meet people who are complete strangers and we find they were completely unaware. The check engine light had not come on and their engines about to blow. Correct. Whether that's a ruptured aneurysm, it's a cancer that's undiagnosed. These are real people with real problems. And I'm very grateful that we have our sick care dialed in the way it is because in this country if you have a crisis Mm -hmm. we are ready we're the number one yeah so listen we've got the best doctors the best hospitals in the world if you have a stroke and you're the prince of arabia yeah you're going to the cleveland clinic correct like that's what happens that's correct the problem is we live in a country where we can't tell anybody what to do to to prevent strokes Mm -hmm. but if you get one we'll take care of it and the economics of it are wait until you have one then we'll treat the, the aftermath but there are very few systems and processes and programs in place that will actually put dollars towards reimbursing providers to do things that aren't taking care of an acute problem, but they are prevention. Correct. And I think in a lot of ways, chiropractic is, become vic- is a victim of your fundamental thing is, yeah, you do some acute care. Mm-hmm. Johnny's injured. Mm-hmm. Johnny was healthy. Johnny is injured. Johnny needs to get better, so Johnny gets and 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 the sick model likes that. Correct. Yeah. Here's and if we would have adapted to that as mm-hmm. a profession, if we would adapt have adapted back and so you asked like the turning point, right? Mm-hmm. If if the forefathers would have been like, yes, we just want to come underneath the umbrella of modernized medicine and yeah. we just want to be musculoskeletal, we're going to specialize in just patch acute traditional chiropractic where all I'm going to do is Almost a subset of physical therapy. Correct. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, is that the reason why we're at this place where you say, you know, only 10% of the profession or the population comes to a Mm -hmm. chiropractor is because we chose to veer opposite. I firmly believe in prevention. And what I mean by that is I believe in it for me. I believe Mm -hmm. in it for my family. Mm -hmm. I don't want to wait for the check engine light to come on. I know that it matters what I feed my children. I know that it matters what I do with my physical athletic Mm -hmm. prowess. Like what I choose to do matters. Mm -hmm. Everything matters. I remember a chemistry professor when he, you know, you'd ask him what's the matter. He goes, everything, everything's the matter. (laughs) That's funny. Right. Cause matter is everything. But the whole truth is, is that we all matter and everything in us matters. And the truth is, is that prevention is a real deal. But Mm -hmm. when you don't know what it means, that's been the biggest thing in Mm -hmm. our profession. And what I love more than anything is watching. And so like one of the things you kind of opened with is like the difference between like family healthcare model. Yeah. 
some of my favorite things that I take care of is when I have a family that's been coming into us for seven or eight years at this current clinic or even longer. And, and, you know, they, and they continue to come in every single year and they continue to be, stay as active maintenance, wellness-based patients, preventative patients. And, you know, the, the reason is, is they're like, listen, uh, Dr. Ronson, we don't get sick anymore. Our bodies are healing at the rate that we feel that they should. Our family's dollars that we've spent in medical-based bills are cut by 90%. Like all these different things, right? You get to actually watch somebody truly take care of themselves. And that's mm-hmm. that old saying, right? Like if you, you know, when it comes to, you know, give a man a fish, you feed him for a day, teach a man to fish, you feed him for a lifetime, right? Mm-hmm. In chiropractic, it's not sexy. Mm-mm. It's not pain-based. It's not monetary. It's hard. Mm-hmm. It's like the amount of time that I spend educating and teaching people on how to do things the right way in terms of, and I say the right way, there's no one right way, but it's mm-hmm. meeting the patient where they're at. Understanding mm-hmm. like, this is where you're at. Here's your stressors. We need to get this in check. Like, listen, if you don't stop smoking, if you don't do this or this or this, mm-hmm. right, you're only going to be the sum of all the things added together, which means you could be, you have limiting factors, but I would rather teach somebody how to live that life. But yeah, it's not monetary. It's not the best model in terms of like financial, because when it comes to prevention, right? Prevention's not sexy. People would rather, and I don't know why. You know, most most of our society is based around like, I'll just, you know what, if it ain't broke, man, I ain't going to touch it. I'm not going to fix it. Let me help you with that confusion. Yeah. Humans don't like to change behavior. There you go. So any any ambition that you have as a thought leader or as a, as a healer, and re- it requires a change of behavior, um, it's going to meet resistance. Mm-hmm. The things that are viral and the things that hit our culture and um, become adopted seemingly overnight, like the Ubers, let's mm-hmm. just say. Mm-hmm. Uber didn't do anything except making getting from where you wanted to where you were to where you wanted to be really, really easy, it actually required less work. So human behaviors that require less work and are easily integrated take off and they become sensations and they become Mm -hmm. new standards and new norms. But if, if the new norm was requiring people to walk three miles, Mm -hmm. that behavior would not be implemented. Correct. Because it's a, it's, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a design vulnerability that we just don't change behavior that increases our workload or effort or energy. We're always gravitating for convenience. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's awful convenient to treat diabetes with medication. And you don't have to change what you put in your mouth. It's what we, in our office, we talk about what's the difference between core versus collateral damage. Hmm. So diabetes is collateral damage. Diabetes is not the problem. The core problem is the fact that you didn't really do a great job of taking care of yourself. You didn't eat right. You put bad stuff in and you didn't move. You didn't exercise. And as a result, we're talking type two, like things build, build, build. And all of a sudden you get diabetes. And instead of addressing the core based problem, like what you said, right? Let's work on your, let's, let's, let's get real. Let's get raw. Let's talk about what things that you can do because ultimately your health is your responsibility. And that's a big, think the biggest thing, you know, that's that, that, that cliche statement that, you know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Mm-hmm. It's like leading a patient towards health is leading them away from a system or leading them, not a system, but a, a thought process, a behavior, mm-hmm. which they've already embedded in their brain of like, Hey, listen, how you got here, if you want to get away from where you're at, you can't do what you did to get here, right? Correct. You can't create just where you're at. You've got to have a complete change up if you want to see anything positive come out of this. And it doesn't mean like, hey, let me just take this medication for this diabetes versus let's just get real, man. Like, when did this all happen? And a lot of times as you start to really build relationships with patients, right, mm-hmm. you start to find the core problems. Mm-hmm. It might have been loss of a loved one. It oh, might yeah. have been, you know, some tragic event that happened that was the um, the tipping block, the straw that broke the camel's back, so to say, mm-hmm. where next thing you know, that they're introduced like, oh, this behavior that is now sabotaging them. Correct. Mm-hmm. And until they get healing from that one thing, whether they take acceptance of it or they move mm-hmm. beyond that, they could potentially, and I don't want to put that, they no. could potentially be forever battling these behavioral problems because mm-hmm. they allowed something to come in that was ultimately an interference. Well, when we talk, you, you mentioned about the things that 
prevent the body from being a self-healing organism. Mm -hmm. You talk about toxins, thoughts, and trauma. And I've actually never thought about that before, but I really like that. You know, whether it's limiting beliefs or physical trauma or things that we're putting into our body or our bodies being exposed to that are creating some biochemical phenomena Mm -hmm. that stand in the way. Uh, And I like that. It's kind of like a three pillars of like, all right, well, you're not getting better. It's probably, it's it's either toxins, thoughts, or traumas. Is is it an undealt with emotional trauma? Is it a physical trauma that has not been healed? Or are we introducing or being exposed to a toxin that is standing in our way of our body? And I really like that. Well, BJ Palmer, it's actually back in 1900s when the profession was founded. That was the three pillars. It's called the three T's, trauma, Mm -hmm. toxins, thoughts. Really? That's yeah. smart. And that's what he created, and that's how mm-hmm. all subluxation is based, is based upon those three Ts. Now, the problem is is that when you're labeled as just a musculoskeletal type doc, right, you're yeah. only addressing one of the Ts, yeah. the trauma component. You're not taking care of, hey, garbage in equals garbage out. You keep polluting your body, or you've got mm-hmm. this stimulant that you're putting into your body, you're going to be limited in your results. You're not going to have the greatest results that you possibly can because you've got other things coming in to interact with that. And you've got other interferences that are not allowing you. So when you brought up what's the difference between somebody that has fast reacting responses versus Mm -hmm. somebody that just doesn't, it's because you're not addressing maybe the key of the three T's or you're not, you're only addressing one. It'd be like right now, if I handed you a three piece puzzle and I took one of the pieces away and I said, Dr. Mm -hmm. Aaron, complete this puzzle for me. You'd be like, well, I can't, I'm missing a piece. And the truth is you have to look at the Mm -hmm. human and you have to look at human health Mm -hmm. in that pattern of Mm -hmm. like, what are these three keys and how do we unpack them? How do we unfold them? And how do we get to the root of what your actual cause is? Because listen, it's different for everybody. I could have a mother bring a baby in that's dealing with colic and I could do a, I could do a checkup and a correction on an infant's body and all of a sudden their colic goes away. So the question is, did, and and here's a big thing as a chiropractor, and this is a big deal. Did I heal colic? No, I removed an interference within Mm. that system Mm. And the body healed itself. The difference is, is taking the power away from me and giving it back to the man that created it. Mm-hmm, and the mm-hmm. system is opposite of that, right? A lot of people believe in like, oh, I healed this person. It's like, no, I did not. Mm. I don't take that on. That's not for me to take on. All I do is I remove the interference, wherever that might be, whether it's a newborn baby to somebody over 100 years old, I remove the interference. Mm -hmm. I let the body have its full potential so that it can adapt and it can heal Mm -hmm. at whatever rate and whatever passion, speed, passion that it can. That what you just said reminded me of something I've said probably a thousand times in the (laughs) emergency room when I'm about to, um, when I'm addressing an injury to the skin and we're talking about closing the skin Mm -hmm. and, and everyone without exception, either voices or is at least concerned about scarring, um, and the wound healing properly. And as we're debating whether, you know, whether this needs strips, staples, sutures, glue, some combination of the, of those, I, literally a thousand times I'll look at somebody cause I can t- I know where they're going mm-hmm. and I'll say, Hey, listen, the good news is these stitches aren't going to heal you. Nature heals you. Mm-hmm. I'm just helping nature along. Yep. My job is to get involved and do what I can to help nature do what it's designed to do, which is to heal this wound. Mm-hmm. The goal is for me to just get it as close as possible and let nature take its course and not provide any additional, remove whatever <clears throat> uh, uh, contributing factor that might impede the natural healing process. And at best, I'm helping it. Right. You know, but I don't, the stitches are not magic. Mm-hmm. Stitches just keep your skin close together and let skin do what skin does, and which it, is heal. And it's funny because I use that same, in a, in a different pattern, I use the same exact story. So I'll say like, so if I were to cut myself right now on accident, if I cut myself, first thing that's going to happen is right. The body's going to try to, you're going to bleed. Mm-hmm. And then after you start bleeding, your body's going to send all the white blood. Everything's going to start to mm-hmm. clot. All inflammatory. And it's going to inflame, right? And so it's going to start to clot. And the blood's going to turn to thick, gooey, gummy type of blood. And then if you leave it there, it'll start to turn into this hard, crusty thing that we call a scab. And the most amazing thing happens 7 to 10 days, sometimes 14 days after that hard, crusty thing forms, is you're going to do one of two things. It either falls off or you pick it off. But the most important thing that I can teach you or a patient is the fact is that when that scab falls off or when you pick it off, What's underneath it is brand new, fresh skin. And guess what you had to do to form that? 
Nothing. Nothing. All you had to do- Be a human. Be a human and leave it alone. Mm -hmm. Right? Now, the difference is, is this theory of this. I cut myself- my body goes through this healing process. Inflammation happens. And tonight as I'm laying in bed, I take my fingers and I open the cut Re-traumatizing. Back up. I re-traumatize it. Mm-hmm. And what happens is that that healing process begins over and over and over and over again. And you're interfering with your body's ability to heal. Mm-hmm. It's all about letting the body do what it was created to do. And, and I think that it's, a, it's, it's an interesting thing, right? We, we offer aid and we offer help where is necessary. Mm-hmm. But we have to have that understanding that you were created to be well, and you were really created to be just full of abundance and full of potential. We talked, is, is there another pillar besides in, in the, the basic chiropractic doctrine besides that we're a self-healing mechanism, uh, organism, or is that, is that the foundational doctrine? It's kind of how it all started, yeah. Okay. Basically, <clears throat> it all started with the fact that it was called innate intelligence. You have universal intelligence, innate intelligence, and the body was created to heal itself. It's one of the, the core 33 principles of chiropractic profession. We've got the, thor- the 33 principles. And, and of them, one of the key ones is the fact that your body was a self-healing, regulating organism. And innate intelligence, that ability to heal, right? Your ability that your body right now as you're listening or your ability as you're sitting there, that food that you ate for you know, breakfast or lunch or dinner is processing right now. You don't have to think about that. Mm-hmm. And your eyes are blinking to you know, moisten the eyeball. Like your body is doing and living. We're not, we're not AI. We're not artificial, right? We yeah. don't plug in at night. We are completely self-contained. A living organism. A living organism. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the way that it operates is that from there, you have different things that can come in and ultimately support that or interfere with the ability for that organism to function and to be and do what it was ultimately created to be and do. Love that. We'll put a link uh, in the show notes to the 33 principles of yeah. chiropractic. I think that would be an interesting thing for people to kind of dig into. Yeah. So. As we're wrapping up, let's let's give the listeners who are um, still into this topic. Mm-hmm. Um, I would assume anybody listening this far along, um, this is a topic that they're either interested in, or they, they already know they love, or they're they're internally debating. Mm-hmm. Because I would imagine, out of the ten percent of evangelists, you know, they don't need this to know why chiropractic is great. It's probably that twenty to thirty percent of the population that is having an internal debate about would this benefit me? Yeah. You know, th- th- this is for them. Um, if you're not a chiropractor, how, how would you go about, but, but you knew everything you knew, how mm-hmm. would you go about selecting a chiropractor? In other words, are, are there three or four things that you would look for to make sure that you are aligned with um, that, because there's probably no shortage of things to consider or, no, pon- or ponder. Yeah. But like, what, what, what would you say are the three or four things most important when considering um, exploring chiropractic care for mm-hmm. the listener? Yeah, I think that number one is a relationship with the doctor. Um, the relationship is where it all starts. And, and, and with that, what I really mean by that is, you know, as you're, as you're meeting with a doctor and you're starting to unpack potentially what's occurring inside of your body, you know, how do you feel? Do you feel like you're being heard? Do you feel like this person understands what's going on? And more importantly, does it resonate with you? Does it resonate around what your belief system is? Now, listen, if your belief system is purely pain-based and you just want to go in for a quick fix and you're looking for a Band-Aid approach going to a neurostructural chiropractor that believes in corrective care probably won't be the best fix because it won't be the greatest fit. And and what I mean by that is that what you're looking for is just a pill for this ill versus a solution for this. So make sure somebody's values and goals are aligned. Correct. They have to meet where you're at. Mm -hmm. And so for us, what we do in our process is we do what's called neurostructural restoration. So what I do is we do a 12 point examination Mm -hmm. to actually assess the human. We look at muscular control. We look at neurological findings. We look at an x-ray finding. We look, we, we take 12 different things and we build them all together. And I create what's called a health score for a patient. Oh, cool. And so I've got a scale of zero to 100. So it gives me a dot on a map so that I can understand where you're at in regards to your inner healing and your body's health. And then based upon that recommendations, as far as like, Hey, this is what direction I think we need to head. Mm-hmm. In. And it's really about 
sitting down and developing a game plan with a patient, right? Mm-hmm. If somebody just you know, just shoots a, a whole bunch of different stuff and says, hey, just do this. It's like I want every one of our patients to, number one, feel like their health is the most valuable thing in the world and that they're fully integrated. Because it, it is. Because it is. And I want them to understand that, that it's not like it's not about me. It never mm-hmm. has been about me. It's all about mm-hmm. you. And like, what can you do to help to unpack this? How can I help you achieve mm-hmm abundance. And, and, and what does that mean? And so by n- developing a health score, we create a system or we, we specialize in more of that corrective approach. And we go from correction to rebuilding with our patients and then from rebuilding to optimization. And I'll tell you that most people, that's what we want. Most people want the optimization of health. Of course. The struggle is to get from where you're at to the optimization. We've been told that it's just this simple, quick fix. You know, you can do it so fast. And it's like, work. listen, healing takes time. Mm-hmm. Health takes time. And change in behavior. And change in behavior. <laughs> Lifestyle is the number one thing that creates most of the problems we have. And so if your approach is like, listen, you're coming into this like, oh, I've got, I've got a headache. All I want to do is I want to, you know, I heard a chiropractor can help me. I got to get a couple, couple little adjustments and uh, things should be all well. But the flip side of that is how do I change my lifestyle? How do I mm-hmm. actually change the environment which is creating the headaches so that they can actually go away. And I can have not just relief, but I can have freedom. You know, it's interesting. Uh, we, I, I, I was just replaying kind of what I said earlier that humans don't like to change behavior. And that is a true statement. But, but, but the good news is mm-hmm. humans are capable of changing behavior. Absolutely. And the ones that do, it's because you get results. Mm-hmm. I don't think people have a challenge with changing behavior if they're able to achieve the result that they want. It's the real challenge for behavior modification is when change isn't being, uh, let me word this right. Change is taking place, but sometimes, especially as providers, we're not giving them the right metrics to watch. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe they're just looking at the scale. Right. You know, or they're there. I still have headaches mm-hmm. or I think it, it's really important to help someone be able to quantify the change that is happening based on the behavior change. And if you can do that, mm-hmm. change then becomes the goal and, and changing behavior isn't hard if you see the results. Right. It's, it's all about baby steps. Okay. So uh, thing number one was the relationship with the doc values, yeah. goals are aligned. Yep. What, what would be... Some other things that some other things to just make sure that you've got a, you know, you want to make sure you've got a specific strategy, Uh, a strategy that, you know, come in with the understanding that, you know, you have to do some work as well. I think that that's one of the biggest challenges for most people when it does come is, you know, have a relationship with a doctor, come in with the understanding that, you know, you want it, you got to want it. And, and I say that because if you don't want to be healthy and you're looking for somebody just to do for you, it's not the, the, the ultimate solution. Because you'll always have to be getting done for you versus actually having a strategy. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's coming in with the open mind of like, hey, I want to go to somebody that is going to help me develop a strategy Mm -hmm. and lay out a plan of attack so that I can actually start to see these changes. And so that's a big deal. Mm -hmm. The other thing that we do with a lot of patients is we recheck, we retest. We we sometimes have the saying, like, we don't guess, we test, right? Mm -hmm. So there's different tests and metrics that we do to help make sure that like, listen, if things aren't going as quickly as what you want, let's see how the rest of your body is functioning. Mm-hmm. But also breaking it into baby steps and small bite-sized pieces where it's not just like a, a Hail Mary all for one, one for all sort yeah. of mentality. It's, hey, here's where you're at. Here's point A. Let's just get you to point B. When we get to point B, we'll reassess. We'll see mm-hmm. where you're at. We'll see what needs to be done. And then from point B, we can talk about what does point C look like for you? You could go from debilitating pain to less pain mm-hmm. and likely going to be going through various phases of less pain before you get to pain-free world. Absolutely. It's not just going to happen. Yes. Um, it, it, it's a, it's a continuum. Like your body's so the right strategy mm-hmm. with the right person. Mm-hmm. Those are great. What, yeah. what else would you say? Um, I would say the other thing is, is just addressing, you know, what is the true interference of what's going on. And so that's by good. doing a case and that's what we do, like doing a really in-depth case review to understand what is the problem because something that you think is going on might not be the core problem. Mm -hmm. It's addressing the difference between core versus collateral damage and trying to help, you know, break down for somebody like, okay, this is a core based problem you're dealing with. This is a core based problem. Here's a collateral problem. And if you can get to the core Mm -hmm. of whatever those issues might be, you'll have freedom. Sometimes the thing you think is the main thing is not the main thing. Correct. 
I spent 10 years in exclusively treating obesity. Mm-hmm. And the obvious answer is these people are in storage mode, mm-hmm. right? So they're, they're consuming either the, the rhythm of their consumption, the volume of their consumption, or the quality of their consumption, or a combination of all three of those things are leading them to be in perpetually storage mode. Mm-hmm. And the, the generic eat less, exercise more doesn't work. Because for a fair number of these people, as we begin to dig into, okay, well, we've identified that Ben and Jerry's is the problem. But is, ben and, is it Ben and Jerry's fault? Like Ben and Jerry's is just Ben and Jerry's. They didn't, there are plenty of people who eat Ben and Jerry's that don't have a weight problem. Hmm. So then the question is, well, why are you consuming Ben and Jerry's? Oh, well, it's because you have a dysfunctional marriage. Hmm. Oh. And food then becomes a numbing mechanism. So although we've got a toxin that we're putting into our body called glucose mm-hmm. uh, at incredibly high levels that causes a downstream insulin response and metabolic syndrome and all of these obesogenic diseases, the, and that is a problem, mm-hmm. but it's not the problem. The problem is an undealt with wound yep. that needs to be dealt with. And if you heal emotionally from the... Um, the insult of a broken marriage, all of a sudden you don't have the pain to numb with Ben and Jerry's. Then all of a sudden you don't have the metabolic situation and where people are along that journey. And I'm not suggesting that everybody struggles with weight has Mm -hmm. an emotional problem. But one thing that was incredibly eye opening to me was somebody was going through their life, not having a weight problem. Some trauma took place Mm -hmm. It could be emotional, spiritual, financial, physical. Mm -hmm. And one way to disappear in this country is to become fat. Mm -hmm. Nobody expects it. You just disappear. Mm -hmm. And when you disappear, if you've been hurt, that's kind of good because it reduces the risk of being hurt again. And it was a protective mechanism. Of course. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we see when we do a lot of really extreme rapid weight loss is people will be ripping down the scale and just crushing and all of a sudden their weight loss stops. And if you dig really deep, what you find many times is that's about the weight when a trauma took place. Mm-hmm. And I don't like all this attention I'm getting because now I'm, th- and, and they may not even be aware of it. The subconscious protective mechanisms all come into place to keep us safe. And it's, it's interesting to me, we're talking about weight, but we could be talking about the way we sleep. We could talk about alcohol consumption affecting the way you sleep. And in order to sleep, you have to be in a certain position and that certain position makes your hips hurt. And then you wake up and now I've got chronic back pain. You think mm-hmm. the problem is back pain, mm-hmm. but the problem is your alcohol consumption, mm-hmm. which is causing you to sleep in only one position and having rest. Like I love this about finding the right strategy, keeping the main thing. Are we really targeting the main thing? And I, I, I can't even tell you my level of obsession with this toxins, thoughts, trauma, um, that is a really rich thought for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be spending a lot of time thinking about that. Um, what are, what's the one thing you wish people knew about chiropractic that, that they don't. I think the one thing that I wish they knew is the, that, that it's not, it's not about pain. Yeah. That is a signal. It's a symptom. And I feel like if there's one thing that people get so wrapped up in is the fact that like, if you're not making, you know, like, Hey, I wait until pain occurs. And Mm -hmm. that's all that chiropractic is about. Chiropractic for me is firmly rooted in health and care of the human frame and the human body. Mm -hmm. And, and for me, it's not about just mitigating pain. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I want to help people, but at the same time, understand that that's one of the biggest misconceptions that we were ever told is Mm -hmm. like only fix it when it's broken. Mm Mm-hmm. Just wait till you feel the pain. And then when you have it, come on in and it's going to take one or two adjustments and you'll be all better. It's like, no, man, that's not the, that's not it at all. I mean, that's a reason to it come is. in. A hundred percent. But it's it the tip of the reason. iceberg. It is. Yeah. hundred uh, percent. Uh, under that, there's a, an entire world of prevention. Mm-hmm. Yep. Let's not get a check engine light on. Correct. Here are some things. And with the right doc, right values, right mm-hmm. goals, right strategy, you could layer in chiropractic care yep. in order to 
pursue a more optimal holistic health. Absolutely. Yeah. It's all part of your strategy for health, for you and your family's health. Like, what do you define? And a lot of times people don't have an answer because they run through life with no clear approach towards their health. Health is one of those things, again, we weren't given an owner's manual. Mm. You buy a new car, you get an owner's manual. <laughs> right? With your health, you don't know. You're just like basing it on, oh, I watched this infomercial on TV and they said, hey, to lose weight, I should do this X, Y, Z. And it's mm-hmm. like, we know that that's not the answer, right? And you'll see people that get the losses and, and people that have great success, but they do ultimately get to a level where their bodies are going to kick back. You're going to have that plateau. You're going to have something else because you're not addressing the true core. Yeah. And, and that's a problem. What didn't I ask you that I should have asked you? Nothing. Okay. You asked me everything. Okay, good. <laughs> How can um, people find out more about Dr. Uh, Dykstra? Yeah, the way you can find out is you can jump on missionfranklin.com. That's our website. Okay. Otherwise, the name of my clinic is Mission Health Center. Um, it's myself, my wife, and we've got a team of two. And I can vouch for his practice. It's a wonderful place, uh, and I receive my care there uh, as well. Um, any famous last words? Uh, the main thing is keep the main thing, the main Man, thing. I love that. And that's the main thing says Zig Ziglar. <laughs> so that's what the, that's a good parting word. It is good. Thanks for coming on the show, man. Thanks for having me, doc. Okay, man. I want to thank you so much for your attention. Listen, I don't take it for granted. It means the absolute world to me. You can find out more about today's episode at brentwoodmd.com forward slash podcast. There you'll find the show notes, all the related links to this episode and tons of other resources. If you haven't already subscribed, please do so. And if you've already subscribed, then it would mean so much to me if you left a review. If you think we'd be a good fit to work together, or you would just simply like to know more about the concierge services that I provide my private clients, email us at membership at brentwoodmd.com. And now for the obligatory disclaimer. This podcast is for general information only and does not constitute the practice of medicine or the giving of medical advice as no doctor-patient relationship has been formed. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should seek the advice of their own medical professional providers.